Okay, welcome back everyone uh, to another time in the Word. Uh, does everyone have the outline for tonight? It's on the back of your song sheet. And how about we all read the title together? Go. The Mingled Spirit. The Mingled Spirit. You know, this topic is such a crucial topic in the entire Bible. It spans from Genesis to Revelation, and it takes some time to actually pick up this matter. Uh, don't think if you heard it before, you got it. Uh, there's a lot to this. Of course, we've simplified this outline and put a couple of key verses here, because what we want to do is to have you, when I'm done uh, speaking and when Sam's done speaking, um, we want you to practice with one another, to speak these points with some key verses and uh, see how much you got it into you. You know, if you can speak it back to somebody else, that means you got it. That means it's yours. And then after that, uh, maybe we'll have some pairs come up and, and uh, demonstrate and speak it to all of us. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the first part of the meeting and then Sam, one of your peers, is going to speak the second part of the meeting. That means we all can, right? All of us can speak this message, can speak this word. So uh, let's take a look here. Um, at the first point, it says, God is spirit. God is spirit. You know, to say that God is spirit, this means that his essence or his substance is spirit. That's what he is. Just like we would say that this desk up here is wood. The essence of this desk is wood. The essence, the substance of this chair down here is plastic. God is spirit. That's his essence. That's his substance. That's what he is. And it's very important for us to know what God is, as we'll see uh, as we progress through this outline. Um, <clears throat> And uh, what I wanted to mention here is that for God to be spirit is a very wonderful thing for us. Because, listen, um, actually, I was going to draw something. I don't see any, any writing utensil, but that's fine. I'll just tell you. Uh, oh, all right. Our resident engineer carries his... <coughs> uh, how about... Oh, I'll take blue. I like blue. All right. Oh, thanks. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> you can write this verse down. 1 Timothy 6.16. It says that God has dwelt alone in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen nor can see. This is God. Alone, separated from everything. He is unique. He is holy. Uh, he's dwelling in unapproachable light. He cannot reach us. We cannot reach him. But, but listen, God took a step out of eternity into time, and he became a man. And you can put this verse, if you, uh, John 1, 14. It says, the word, which was God, became flesh. Wow. That means this unreachable, unapproachable God is now approachable in the man, Jesus Christ. 
but wait a minute, that was 2,000 years ago. Here we are in 2017. So that's not good for us. <laughs> as far as us being able to reach God and Him being able to reach us, that was 2,000 years ago. God became flesh. But listen, He lived a perfect human life for 33 and a half years. Then He died on the cross. He was buried. He resurrected. And look at the next verse on your sheet. Let's read this together. 1 Corinthians 15, 45b. Go. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That last Adam is Jesus Christ. And in resurrection, he became something. It says he became the life-giving spirit. Praise the Lord. And then, after he resurrected, he ascended. He was enthroned in the heavens. And then he was poured out as the spirit upon all flesh. So now, today, in 2017, God, who has dwelt alone in unapproachable light, is now reachable. Amen. He can reach us and we can reach Him because He is Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this is a marvelous thing. Um, <clears throat> okay, now, the next point uh, says that man has a spirit. I want to tell you something. Uh, my wife works here in the BME department. That's the Biomedical Engineering Department. And she sent me a link the other day to the front page of the online uh, newsletter for the BME department. And on the front page, about 20 scientists and researchers collaborating together, including one from that department, discovered something, something marvelous. It's something about the size of a pen like this. And when doctors are doing surgery on cancer patients to remove cancer, one of the first things the patients always ask the doctor is, Doc, did you get it all? That's a serious question. Did you get it all? And it takes some time. It takes some effort. It takes uh, for, the for the doctors to examine all the tissue and so forth and in the meantime, the wound is there open and infection possibilities increase. Well, they have discovered to utilize uh, modern technology, they discovered a way and fit it inside of a pen that they can just touch that tissue and determine if it's cancer or not in 10 seconds. It's called the mass spec pen, mass spec for mass spectrometer. Some of you chemistry majors know what that is, right? You can put some chemicals into this machine and then it prints out the molecular structure of all the molecules that are in that sample. Well, this little pen can deposit a drop of water in the tissue and suck it back in into the mass spectrometer. And in less than 10 seconds on the screen, it says cancer or it says no cancer. Imagine that. In other words, they developed a tool. They developed uh, a device that can substantiate cancer. It can detect cancer. It can realize cancer. We have something in our being, brothers and sisters, called our human spirit. Our human spirit that can actually substantiate God who is spirit. You know, if I want to substantiate an, the color of Annette's shirt, blue, I would not use my ear to substantiate color. I wouldn't use my, my nose I would use my eyes, right? You have to use the right organ to substantiate something according to what its essence is and what its substance is. Amen. 
God is spirit. He's not a physical being that we can touch with our hands, see with our eyes, hear with our ears. Nor is he just a figment of our imagination that we can dream about in our mind and uh, philosophize about. But God is spirit. And we have a human spirit. Uh, <clears throat> if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 2-7, this is when man was formed out of the dust of the ground by God. And it says that he formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Right there in that one verse, we have man's body formed out of the dust of the ground. Then it says man became a living soul after something else happened. And that is that God breathed into man the breath of life. And according to Job 32.8 There is a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty gives him inspiration. That spirit is the very breath of God. It was breathed into man by God at man's creation. It's not the spirit of God, but listen, it corresponds to God. It matches God. It can detect God and substantiate God. It's something within every human being that's seeking God. Whatever part of the earth you're from, whatever culture or background you grew up in, whether civilized or uncivilized, every human being has a human spirit that is seeking God. It corresponds to God. And that human spirit can substantiate God. It can detect God. It can receive God. Now, the verse on your page is uh, Zechariah 12.1, right? Let's read this verse together. Go. Concerning Israel, thus declares Jehovah, who stretches forth the heavens and lays the foundations of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. I just want to impress you with this verse that what we're talking about is on the same scale as the heavens and the earth. It's colossal. You know, the BME department can say we made a great discovery but it doesn't even compare, doesn't hold a candle to this discovery right here, that man has a spirit. There's a spirit in man. God stretched forth the heavens. He laid the foundation of the earth, and then he formed the spirit of man within him. It's interesting. It doesn't even say he made man. It says he formed the spirit of man within him. That shows that's the crucial part. How many human beings are here on this campus and don't even realize their crucial part. They're exercising their body over there in Gregory Gym, or they're exercising their mind in that philosophy class. But they don't even realize. Pedro, they don't realize. They have a spirit. They have a part of their being that can actually substantiate God and receive God and enjoy God and be filled with God. It's too marvelous. Amen. Okay, I'm going to stop here and let Sam come up and continue with the next two points. Here you go. How does this work? Okay. Um, could we go ahead and read point three? 
Okay, here I'd like to touch on this word mingled, uh, point out that this is a biblical term. Uh, it's, uh, it comes from Leviticus 2.4, and the context is all the offerings. Uh, so in the Old Testament, there are a, a, a lot of offerings, which are all a type of the reality who is Christ. For example, we have the sin offering, which is a type of Christ as the offering for our sin. He's the peace offering. He's our peace towards God, and he's our burnt offering. He's our consecration and absoluteness to God. And in the same way, there's also this offering in Leviticus 2.4 called the meal offering. And so in, in that verse, it describes this offering as a mingling of fine flour and oil. Uh, and so in the Bible, oil uh, is a type of the Spirit. Isaiah 61.1 says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because Jehovah has anointed me. And so to anoint someone is to apply an oil uh, in a ritual or a ceremony. And so here the, uh, the writer equates the spirit to the oil. Uh, the fine flower uh, represents Christ and his humanity. John 12, the Lord says, uh, he describes himself as a grain of wheat to fall into the ground and die. And when wheat passes through a process, it's harvested, it's ground up, it becomes fine flour. And so here we see that Christ is the reality. He's the, uh, in this person, is the mingling of humanity and divinity without producing a third nature. Uh, and so we can see this in the Gospels, in the, in the accounts. Uh, when people saw him, um, you know, they, they knew that he had, he had a genealogy. Uh, he had a mother called Mary. He had a father who was a carpenter. He was a human. He was approachable. He was compassionate. But at the same time, he spoke, uh, he spoke these heavenly words. He spoke words of power, divine words. And so when people saw him, they wondered, you know, what is this man? Is he a human? Is he a man? Or is he, is he God? Well, then this person was the mingling of God and man. He was in him. He possessed the perfect humanity and complete divinity. Um, could we read 1 Corinthians 6.17? Okay, so just in the same way that when Christ came to the earth, he was divinity mingled with humanity. When uh, Christ comes into us, he passed through a process, as we saw. He became the life-giving spirit. He was breathed into the disciples and eventually into us. Uh, the divine spirit became mingled with the human spirit. He was joined to us, and now he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. You know, I, I really think this is, a, this is a wonderful fact, right, as a... It's a marvelous mystery. Uh, I like to refer to it as divine mathematics. You know, usually one plus one is two, right? But here, the divine spirit and the human spirit become one spirit, you know. Um, this is, you know, one illustration that I, I want to use is uh, it's not like putting a marble in a glass where, you know, the marble and the glass are still, they're still, uh, they're still, you know, they're different, they're unrelated, unconnected, and they're still separable. Uh, and you can take the marble out of the glass, which is like the experience of the saints in the Old Testament. You know, a lot of times, like for example, Samson, the Spirit would come upon them. Uh, he would perform a great work of power. But then the Spirit departed, and Samson was still the same. You know, he would go back to his lustful living. The Spirit was still the same, and Samson was still the same. But now that the Lord has come into us, He's mingled with us in an intimate and inseparable way. The Spirit's come to dwell in us, and now He'll never leave. Um, okay, um, 
Can we go on to, can we read the second verse uh, under point four, Romans 8, 4? Okay, so here I'd like to point out these last two words, the Spirit, in, in Romans 8, 4. You know, it's really interesting that uh, when they tried to translate this verse, um, the biblical translators had difficulty, you know, discerning, is this the human spirit or is this the, the divine spirit? You know, is it the Holy, the Holy Spirit or the human spirit? Uh, a lot of times in the Bible, there's a, there's a separation, uh, I think, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 describes the spirit of man and the spirit of God. In Romans 8.16 talks about the spirit witnessing with our spirit, so they're two separate matters. But here, uh, actually in the Greek, there's no distinction between the uppercase and the lowercase. And so, you know, uh, this is kind of like, you know, when you, when you make tea, you put tea in water uh, and they, you, you give it a stir. No longer can you tell what is tea and what is water. All you can really say is this is tea water. And so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but in the same way, when the divine spirit comes into our human spirit, you can no longer tell what is, you know, what is human and what is divine. It's just the spirit. It's just the mingled spirit. And so I, this, is, this is so wonderful because at least one-third of our being at any time is completely one with God, which is just a wonderful fact. Um, but we need to see this more than just a truth, more than just a cool fact. We need to experience it. So with that, let's uh, read point four. Okay. So here I'd just like to touch on, you know, what, is, what does this practically look like to, to live and walk according to the mingled spirit? Um, one instance that comes to mind, uh, you know, Paul in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, he says that there is a a door open in the Lord to preach the gospel in Troas. But he said, I had no rest in my spirit, for I did not find Titus my brother. But taking leave of them, I went forth into Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in the Christ. Um, and here it's, it's really interesting that Paul attributes uh, the, uh, the, um, the rest in his spirit to God's leading. Um, you know, According to the outward circumstance, he had this door open to him to preach the gospel. And, you know, as a Christian, uh, it's, isn't it always good to preach the gospel? We should always be, you know, telling our friends about the Lord and what he's done for us. Um, but, you know, the point here is that Paul, um, he, he, what was more important to him was his, the inward sense, the, the rest in his spirit. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, we're taught maybe in church and in Christian teaching uh, that we need to live according to, to do what is right, you know, right versus wrong, good versus evil, you know, what would the Lord do in a certain situation? But really to live in that way is just to live by the tree of knowledge. You know, in Genesis 2, the tree of knowledge, it also has good and evil on it, right? But it, it just leads to death. But really the biblical revelation is so much higher that is that we need to live by the tree of life as Christ in our spirit, uh, which is by the mingled spirit. Um, okay, uh, and so the way that we experience this is that we, we need to allow the mingling to spread in our daily life. Um, Ephesians 4.23, Paul is charging the believers in Ephesus 
and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Uh, it's quite interesting. You know, man has three parts, the spirit, the soul, and the body. And in the soul is the mind and the emotion and the will. But here Paul is talking about the spirit of the mind. So, you know, what does, what does that mean? Well, what Paul is referring to is he's charging the believers that they would allow the Lord, the mingled spirit, to spread into their mind to become the spirit of their mind. Uh, and I really like the context of this verse. Um, really, the, the, the mingling, the spreading of the spirit into their mind was something that affected their manner of life. In the previous verse, he says um, that you put off as regards your former manner of life, the old man which is being corrupted according to the lusts of the deceit. And so the way to escape from corruption, from lusts and deceit, was to allow the mingling to spread in them. Um, yeah, so maybe there, are, maybe there are things in our life or in our past that are maybe not so proper and not so right. Well, the solution is to allow the Lord to mingle himself more with us, to spread into our soul. Um, now recently, uh, I'm, uh, I'm graduating in December, um, and uh, sad to be leaving, for sure, uh, and just been doing the, the whole job hunting thing. Uh, and I really just experienced, you know, f- for some reason, although I had no need to be, just a lot of anxiety. Uh, and I just had to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm anxious about this. I'm stressed out. But Lord, mingle yourself more with me. Mingle yourself more in my anxiety. Be peace to me. Infuse yourself with me. Um, yeah, uh, maybe, uh, maybe another situation that this could apply is maybe we're offended at someone. Someone said something not so good to us, and we just need to say, Lord, mingle yourself in this offense. Lord, come in and be peace. Come in as the, the forgiveness in me. Uh, and so, just to finish that, we need to let the Lord mingle himself with us, spread from our mingled spirit into our soul, appreciate this mingled spirit so that he can gain us and grow in us day by day. Pass it over to Paul. Okay, praise the Lord. <clears throat> well, uh, you've got four marvelous points here. Let's take a look at the outline. The title is The Mingled Spirit. Number one, God is spirit. Amen. That's his substance. John 4.24 says God is spirit. Number two, man has a spirit. We have an, a part in our being that can actually substantiate God and receive God and contact God and enjoy God. That is our spirit. Zechariah 12.1 says, God stretched forth the heavens, laid the foundation of the earth, and formed the spirit of man within him. And then number three, at regeneration. How many in here are regenerated? Hallelujah. That means that God, the divine spirit, has come into your human spirit. And at regeneration, these two spirits are now mingled together as one spirit. And what's the verse there? Let's read it. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. One spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. And then finally, we need to live and walk according to this mingled spirit. I love these practical illustrations that Sam gave, and I'm sure you all will have over the course of your lifetime hundreds and hundreds of experiences like this, where the Lord as the spirit in your spirit, this mingled spirit begins to grow and spread and penetrate and make home in your whole being. Amen. 
So let's read this last verse, Romans 8, 4, go. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay, very good. Now, what we want to do now is just take about maybe five minutes or less to pair up with somebody next to you and practice speaking these four points to one another. Speak the point, uh, say a little bit about it, and even quote part of the verse, and then go on to the next point, and let's see how much you got. Just, you can read off your paper. That's fine. <laughs> but, but just practice speaking it to one another. Then we're going to ask, we're gonna, listen, we're going to ask some freshmen to come up to the front. And, uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs>